This is a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. Hi, I'm Hanif Baharuddin. You're tuned in to Gigi Well Played, BFM's video game show. Coming up, our quick take on Magic the Gathering Arena, the digital version of one of the world's most famous trading card game franchises. But before that, here's a recap of some of the biggest news in the world of gaming with Ofnil Ting and Daryl Ong. Thank you, Hanif. Our first news this week is more details on Sony's Project Q. Just as a reminder, Project Q was first announced in May by Sony during their mid-year PlayStation Showcase. It was supposed to be Sony's handheld game streaming device, which has been internally referred to as Q-Lite. There was a recent leaked video posted on Twitter by Zuby Tech showing a basic version of the Android OS running on what was reported to be the device, which is covered in plastic wrap. While it's important to note that this may not be be the final version of the handheld menu, it does provide some insights into its internal workings. The console's physical design closely resembles a PlayStation 5 controller, but with a notable addition, a massive 8-inch LCD touchscreen at the centre. This touchscreen will likely serve as the primary interface for gaming and navigating through the system. The device will also feature adaptive triggers which provides haptic feedback to enhance the gaming experience. Standard components such as volume buttons, speakers and an audio input jack are included in the design to ensure ease of use. When it comes to streaming capabilities, Project Q will support up to 1080p resolution and 60 frames per second, ensuring a smooth and visually appealing gaming experience. Yeah, in terms of battery life, Project Q is expected to last between 3 to 4 hours on a single charge, offering a decent amount of gaming time on the go. And contrary to earlier speculation, it's not a cloud streaming device. Instead, it utilizes remote play with the PlayStation 5. This means that users will be able to connect and play their PlayStation 5 games remotely on the handheld device. As for pricing, according to court documents from the Microsoft versus FTC case, Microsoft believes that it will be priced under 300 US dollars, with rumors that will be on sale late November this year. However, Sony has yet to officially confirm those details. That's right, Sony's CEO, Jim Ryan, expressed eagerness to share more information about Project Q during this year's PlayStation Showcase, indicating that fans can expect more updates and official announcements in the near future. The leaked report, which hasn't been officially acknowledged by Sony yet, may have given us a glimpse, but nothing is certain yet, so let's wait for the official announcement. Okay, moving on, it was recently revealed that Ubisoft has a drastic account closure process that could result in the complete wipeout of a user's history with the company if they remain inactive for too long. According to the company's support staff, if a user is inactive for a specific period, their account will be automatically deleted and this includes purchases, unlocks, progress and all associated data. Mm, and even if the user had invested a significant amount of money on the platform, spent countless hours gaming and accumulated various titles and achievements, it will matter if they stop using Ubisoft services for an extended period. In such a case, Ubisoft will send an email warning the user 30 days prior to the imminent closure which the user can prevent from happening by taking action as instructed in the said email. The exact duration that qualifies as too inactive isn't clearly specified but some users have speculated that it could be anywhere from 2 to 6 years or even longer. After crossing this threshold, they will have 30 days from the email to log into their account to prevent it from being closed. A simple login should be enough to be considered active once again. However, some users also pointed out that 
Ubisoft is required to do so under the EU's General Data Protection Regulation to delete accounts if retention is deemed no longer necessary. Ubisoft's International Terms of Service stated that accounts may be deleted after an extended period of inactivity while the US terms have no such provision. This account closure policy means that if you are one of the few players who have purchased games like Assassin's Creed, Far Cry, Splinter Cell or even Rainbow Six and then remain inactive for a bit too long, you will lose access to all of those games and associated content. It's important for Ubisoft users to be aware of this policy and to regularly log into their accounts to avoid losing valuable purchases or progress. Mm, and last but not least, attack YouTuber known as Geeko1 showcased the Nintendo Switch running both an Android and a Linux OS, effectively transforming it into a tablet and a micro gaming PC similar to the Steam Deck. And while it's an impressive feat to run games like Titanfall 2, Devil May Cry 5, God of War, and also GTA 5 on the Nintendo Switch, the performance, of course, was far from optimal. On God of War, Geeko 1 achieved crisp graphics but encountered sound bugs, and the game ran around 12 FPS. Titanfall was mostly playable, reaching about 35 FPS in some scenes, surpassing The Legend of Zelda Tears of the Kingdom. However, Grand Theft Auto V posed a significant challenge even though the game was set to run in a 720p resolution on low setting, the Nintendo Switch struggled to maintain a smooth frame rate. At times, it dropped as low as 3 or 4 FPS making the gameplay practically unplayable. Interestingly though, during the Microsoft Activision acquisition, it was mentioned that developers believed it would be easy to port Call of Duty games like Modern Warfare 2 and Warzone to the Nintendo Switch. Geeko1's experiment with the hacked Switch shows that running demanding games on a platform can be quite challenging, questioning the feasibility of such ports. However, we have seen certain developments porting their AAA games like Witcher 3, Neo Automata, Dying Light and more. It runs well, so kudos to those developers that went an extra mile for those ports. That's all we have for this week's news. Back to you, Hanif. Thank you very much, Ofnil and Daryl. Last month, the GG Well Played crew attended the media event for the launch of the Lord of the Rings Tales of Middle-Earth expansion set for the world's oldest trading card game franchise, Magic the Gathering. That has gotten us interested in the world of TCG, but at the same time, curious about digital alternatives to this niche hobby. Enter Magic the Gathering Arena, the virtual equivalent to the physical version of the game. But is it comparable to the real thing? Najman Maliki, a budding trading card game enthusiast who has tried MTG Arena, gives his take. Mm. Okay, so it hasn't always been there. Um, it's new, it's a newish thing, so it's not super old as well. But the idea behind it is, especially um, when Wizards starts to, um, I guess, move out of just you know America and then start to go all over the world, trying to spread the Magic the Gathering, I guess, gospel, if you will. It uh, kind of proves a challenge when it comes to. Um, teaching people how to play, right? So if you were to learn how to play Magic the Gathering right off the bat, it's not straightforward. But if you can have like a um, if you can have like a very basic digital tutorial, um, especially with the technologies today, especially with like I guess when COVID hit as well, it's easier for you to get on the board. It's easier for you to understand how everything works, and that was I guess the the starting point. Um, and even when we went for that event, um, the the helpful guides who were teaching everyone how to play suggested to everyone who came who don't know how to play the game to actually go and, uh, and download Magic the Gathering Arena, which is the name of that game, the digital game, and play 
it on your computers, right? So, and I think um, I've been playing it for quite a bit now. And um, it is a really good way to understand how Magic the Gathering works. And essentially just to like be poisoned and get into the whole Magic the Gathering mm-hmm. universe. Yeah. yeah um the Magic the Gathering um the actual card game trading card game um uh, first appeared literally um almost 30 years ago um it's going to celebrate its anniversary I think um next next month uh like early next month uh so it took um Wizards of the Coast years to to finally be able to do the digital version so so I find it quite interesting that yeah it took them quite a while to to eventually get into the digital uh, version um but at least well at least they they have it which is good um so uh yeah like like you said I mean this this can be a perfect platform for people who are always curious about the trading card game and perhaps I mean don't have for, for lack of I think for lack of resources or or perhaps lack of um I guess accessibility uh to to give it a try uh via the digital version right um so okay that you're 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 i think at this point ankle deep almost knee deep into the actual <laughs> trading card game but at the same time uh so so um you have doubled with this version as well the um magic the gathering arena what what do you think um does it does it match the the actual experience uh, how how does it work like like compared i mean mm. obviously you have to you get you have to get um your own deck and everything can uh, so so how yeah. does it work um, in this digital sphere yeah so um i guess to easily answer does it compare um i guess no <laughs> uh, as a as a straight and narrow answer but um I'll, i guess i'll go deeper into it um so when you want to play Magic the Gathering Arena, the digital game, they will actually supply you with a tutorial. And once you completed the tutorial, then you can actually play through the tutorial for um, all of the colors in Magic the Gathering. So in Magic the Gathering, you'll have five colors, um, white, black, blue, green, and red. Um, so you get to play all five tutorials for each of the different play styles. And then when you finish one color, you will get a deck of that color, which is 60 cards. Um, so when you finish all five um, tutorials, you will get 300 cards. And um, like physical cards as well, in Magic the Gathering, if you want to play a standard mode um, of the game, right, you would have to have 60, at least 60 cards in a deck. So in the real world, you literally will just like, you know, take these physical cards and then mix and match them and then you'll have a new deck. Um, in this digital game, you can do the same as well. You can actually create your own deck. So I guess that's the parallel to it. And it's kind of good as well because you get these 300 cards to start off. Um, whereas in, in the real world, you actually have to purchase the 300 cards. Um, but I guess that's where it differs as well. Uh, because in the real world, the play the playthrough is most of the time... Uh, a social thing and you'll have to read your opponent and you're going to have to read what they're trying to think uh, and what they're trying to do. Um, the digital aspect try to mimic that by, you know, um, making uh, the opponent's movements a bit more visible when they are hovering over a card or as they're hovering over your card on the battlefield, you would see it. Uh, meaning like they might be considering something that they want to do next with their own cards. But it's nothing like 
me holding a uh 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 like me holding six cards against you, right? It's nothing like that. There's there's no I guess super strong feeling of like me countering your cards um like in the in real world IRL. Um it's nice but it's got its um pros and cons. Uh so I digitally I think one of the biggest upside to this is accessibility, like you said earlier. So if you stay in, say, Tumalo, and then you want to play with your friends, all your friends are in, like, say, Jobaru, so it's really hard for you to connect and it's really hard for you to actually do it. Um, this is where it helps to bridge the gap. You can actually go online, play against your friends. So this is the upside and the beauty of it. Um, but, yeah, it's... Obviously, can't beat the physicalness, lah. <laughs> Obviously, I think, I think yeah, that one is a given. Um, but apart from that, uh, I think and this is something. I mean, not to promote my other show. Uh, but uh, I mean, recently, uh, we uh, I love KL did explore the the world of trading card games as well. Uh, we had an interview with Invictus Forge, and I think one aspect that's pretty much crucial in the trading card game uh, scene is the trading aspect of it, in which you actually trade cards. With other players, like uh, the physical cards with other players, but at the same time, also dabble in 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 quote unquote investing in these cards, right? Uh, so so knowing the mm. value and how much they they go uh, in the market, uh, these are the, I guess another part and parcel of the game. Uh, according to the interviewee that I spoke to, uh, of course, if you want to listen to the interview, you can check it out on I Love KL. Uh, but yeah, going back to Magic the Gathering Arena. You're halfway there, but I think to a certain extent you're still learning the ropes of the the game, as in uh, the actual trading card game, but also this game to a certain extent. Um, do you think that uh, as a, um, like you know you've mentioned the benefits of 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 playing it, um, but do you think that um for someone who would like to perhaps get into the real thing, uh, is this a good starting platform for them to, um, perhaps familiarize themselves with how how it works before eventually I guess investing in in that deck because this game is free to play right uh to the next time yeah mm-hmm. <laughs> so yeah i guess um to answer that question is it worth uh, is it worth getting into if you uh, planning to actually get into the world of uh, magic the gathering um trading card game i would say a strong yes so why would i say that because if you are interested in magic the gathering um you have to go out and purchase a starter deck or a a few booster packs or yeah, to get you started right so to do that that costs you some money this is as you said free and from there you can actually try and play magic the gathering like either just with bots or with real human beings on the on on your machine and you can actually get a feel of it do you like this game is this game interesting enough for you because it might not be right and if it's not that interesting for you you would not need to like spend a cent on it and then you don't need to you can save your money lah but if you were to enjoy this game ah uh, then this is kind of a of a, a double edge slippery slope if you will um because if you are interested in this game one caveat to this is as you've mentioned anif magic the gathering is a trading card game is a game where you collect cards is a game where you buy more cards And it's the same with this digital version as well. 
Except that wizards make a bit more money lah. Because in the real world, if I were to buy a booster card and then I get, say, the one ring in my booster pack, right? I can sell it to you, Hanif, as another fellow player who wants my card. I can trade it with you. I can sell it at a price that I and you agree to. But then you can buy that card from me for one thousand ringgit, and magic uh, and and wizards of the coast would not get any anything from that because I just paid my twenty for the booster pack. Whereas in this game, I can actually go and get like a like ten booster packs to get that card, right? And I can actually use some mechanics of the game to actually get that specific card that I want. But all of these mechanics revolves around its microtransactions that is embedded and built into the game. So I guess that's a long-winded way to say, if you are interested in any way to play Magic: The Gathering, I highly recommend trying out Magic: The Gathering Arena first, the digital version. It's free. It teaches you how to play right off the bat, and you get to experiment with what you like and what you don't. And from there. You can then like decide whether you want to like invest in it in in the physical cards or maybe you just want to go digital. Yeah, that works too. Okay, so it's Magic: The Gathering. So um, as a franchise, it it is the one of the most, if not the the most famous um, trading card game franchise out there. Uh, but because they came in a bit later in the digital sphere to the scene um, um, in 2019, um, the scene was already, I guess. Um, Uh, perhaps inspired by the Magic: The Gathering itself, ironically, by other other players, right? I mean, they are Hearthstone, which I think is pretty um, is is essentially a trading card game that Ooh. that's pretty popular on the digital sphere as well. Um, so so does Magic: The Gathering Arena appeal only to perhaps fans of Magic, or can it perhaps be appealing to people who are into trading card games uh, in general? You know what I mean? Because because especially because there are a lot of other Not only, I mean, I mentioned Hearthstone, but there are also other games, like you know, Pokemon has their own digital version Ooh. as well, right? To a certain extent. So, so, but yeah, but Hearthstone is pretty popular. I mean, so, so there's that. Um, so yeah, what, what, what do you think? Yeah, I, th- I think it definitely has a strong appeal to the trading card um, gamers in the world, um, in Malaysia specifically, especially, um, but. I don't know whether um, the people who actually love to play Pokemon or Hearthstone would be interested in it. The main reason why I say that is because I play both. I play Pokemon card game um, and I also play um, Hearthstone. And Hearthstone is actually the easiest to get into. Like the way the game works is extremely basic. And it's actually meant for you to actually re- not really learn how to play like per se. You can just like start out and then like hit the ground running because it's very straightforward on uh, uh, as to how you play the game but magic the gathering even if you compare that to pokemon which is in my personal view pokemon is slightly harder than hearthstone um magic the gathering is a lot harder than pokemon so you have a slightly different mechanics as to how you actually can play a card that's one but even then then you have deeper mechanics mechanics like flying or vigilance or you have like cards like curses or instants or uh, enchantments and stuff like that there's a lot of different layers to the game so as a person who plays hearthstone if you're considering trying to play um mtg arena i think it's a nice jump if you feel like hearthstone lacks layers lacks texture lacks complexity to the whole game then 
yes, your Magic the Gathering arena is really the game for you because it's it's extremely detailed, it's extremely complex. You have actually literally a slew of cards from the day they started Magic until this new Lord of the Rings sets. They have all of the database of all the cards in the game. Um, and you can actually play with a lot more people and um, in, in, in the community as well. But, you know, Hearthstone is because it's easy, because it's accessible that way, it's a lot easier for you to actually play it with someone who, I guess, want to have a casual, casual session. So if you want to play with your partner, if you want to play with your family member, it's a lot easier to get your family member, even your younger family members to actually join in. You want to play with your nephews, hey? It's a lot easier to get your nephew to actually, hey, let's play this game called Hearthstone. It's a trading card game. You have it on your iPad. I have it on my phone. You can play it together. But Magic the Gathering, there is a bit of a um, steep learning... Uh, I won't say steep. Uh, there is a bit of a learning curve to it. Um, a kid could actually play it, but it's a bit, it's a bit more complex. And... Um, if you are somebody who enjoys that kind of playstyle, that kind of uh, complexity in your gaming session, then yeah, um, this would definitely be a huge upgrade from Hearthstone. And I think that is the main differentiating point that Wizards are confident that they can actually launch um, Magic Arena and then not be overshadowed by Hearthstone. Um, it, yeah. I think I think that's the main biggest difference between the two games, uh, and it's I guess it's it's great in 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 its own different ways, yeah. And Magic has been around for years, so so, so the the Ooh. strength of the franchise is already there, right? Um, so for people out there who would like to give this a game a try, where can they get the game? Uh, I understand that there is a bit of a weird thingy with 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 the game's existence, I suppose, on available platforms here. Yeah, so. I'll, the short and simple answer that I can give is if you're interested to play, just Google Magic the Gathering Arena or MTG Arena. The first option will get you the game. Here's the biggest caveat. It's only available on PCs and Macs in Malaysia. So if you're in Malaysia, you don't use a VPN, you can you can get the game, you can play it on your PC, your laptop, your Mac, whatever. It's a really lightweight game. It doesn't require a lot of uh, power, so you don't need to have a very, you know, changi PC to play this, but you do require a PC. It is, technically speaking, available on iOS, Android, and you, you know, your handheld devices, but not available in Malaysia. So if you do want to play it on your handheld devices, there's some like jiggery pokery that you have to do to make it work on your own machines. It is on Steam as well, but again, ge- um, geo-locked. It's not available in Malaysia. And when you are signing up for a new account, you have, you have to pick a country that is not Malaysia because Malaysia is not even in the list. I believe this is some um, licensing issue, mayhaps. Um, uh, but yeah, any Southeast Asian country is not in the list. Singapore is not in it. Indonesia is not in it. Um, but uh, it doesn't matter where you come from. I mean, like, it doesn't matter which country you choose. It would not like pair you to a server whatsoever. It will actually still allow you to play. It will work as intended. And I have to actually mention this, um, but this game is not offline. You do require an internet connection. 
That's a huge bummer as well. Lah. And every time you connect to the game, it will connect to the server. And if you say your connection is not working properly or you don't have internet connection, you do have it on your laptop, you still can't play the game. So those are the caveats. But I guess the upside, it, it works on Mac. You can game on your Mac, I guess. So just to clarify again, um, so you need to download the game on the game's website and you can install yeah. it as as usual, but you can't, if you go to Steam and try to download it from Steam, you can't do it that way, right? Yeah. Nor can you download it from Android or uh, the App Store. You can't. Yeah. All right. Okay. And on that mm-hmm. note, if given the option for people who has never played any trading card game ever, um, do you think that this is the best way to, to get into it if they were to do it digitally, like via Magic the Gathering Arena? Or can they even like go and try other alternatives out there? You know, we mentioned Hearthstone just now, but is this perhaps you know the perfect launching platform or is this more of a platform for people who would like to get into magic specifically i would actually say it's a good platform for people who want to get into the trading card game scene um so if you are looking to pl- to try out any trading card game right magic the gathering arena the digital version is the in my personal view the best way to start off because Magic has a lot of um, similarities to other card games. If, if you look at like uh, Shadowverse or Flesh and Blood, or yeah, so if you look at these kind of games, it works off a similar uh, tangent to Magic, um, and it's a good starting point. If you were to go with like say um, Hearthstone, um, it would not actually get you that feel of a trading card game. Hearthstone feels a lot like a Candy Crushy kind of game rather than a trading card game. Um, so if you are interested in the trading card game play and the scene itself, go for Magic the Gathering Arena. You're tuning into GG Well Played and there was Najman Maliki sharing his take on Magic the Gathering Arena. If you'd like to listen to this episode again, look for the podcast on pfm.my. Our app available on the Apple App Store or Google Play. You can also find our podcast on Spotify. Do share your thoughts and the games that you play via our email ggwp at bfm.my. Don't forget to also follow the station on Twitter at BFM Radio. My name is Anif Baharudin. Thanks for joining us. Game on and please take care. This has been GG Well Played. You have been listening to a podcast from BFM 89.9, The Business Station. For more stories of the same kind, download the BFM app.